in our family, right? We wish we could be an, a parent over again. We wish we could be a different father or husband or mother or child. But what if somehow, what if an event that took place 2,000 years ago, what if somehow that really is for us an opportunity for fresh starts, for new beginnings, for second chances? And no, we, we can't, no matter how much we want to, we can't go back and change what has happened in our life. But what if there was a way to pick up from today? What if there's a way we didn't have to live with guilt? What if there's a way that we could find true forgiveness? What if there's a way that there really was second chance? I mean, the birth of Jesus doesn't seem like a second chance story, right? It's the beginning. It's the birth. It's, a, it's an arrival. But what if it really is a second chance story? In fact, I know it's kind of an unbelievable story. I don't think there's any way around that. I mean, you look at a story, it's filled with angels and a virgin birth and shepherds and a manger and all kinds of other things, but it's a story that really has changed the world. In fact, I'm going to read it and I'll... I'll let you sit if you want. You can stand if you want, but you can stay seated too. And so from Luke chapter 2, Luke, the Greek doctor, records these words because this story changed his life and he wanted to change your life as well. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord Shown around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angel had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I mean, this story is one that's kind of fascinating. It's kind of unbelievable, to be honest. But Luke records it in such a way that he begins with Caesar Augustus. And that means very little to us, if we're really honest, because it's been a long time since we were in history class in high school, and we probably haven't thought a lot about it. But Caesar Augustus is kind of a fascinating character, because what Luke does here is he contrasts this baby born in a manger, born in a place where animals were kept. He contrasts this baby with the most powerful man in the world. Caesar Augustus, the most august Caesar. You probably know the story of Julius Caesar, and 
And Julius Caesar wasn't really known as Caesar. That came after him, but Augustus was his adopted son. And Julius Caesar was considered to be a deity, a god. And so they then began to call Caesar Augustus the son of God. What Luke is doing is he's contrasting this son of God that the Romans knew as Caesar Augustus with the actual son of God, Jesus. Caesar Augustus lived in a palace. Caesar Augustus was emperor of the greatest empire the world has ever known. I mean, just to keep in perspective, if the U.S. is an empire to keep close to Rome, they've got 800 years to go. I mean, this was an empire that lasted a thousand years. This was the most powerful nation in the world. At this point, the most powerful nation in human history. And yet, Luke is contrasting the Son of God, this Caesar, with Jesus, born in Bethlehem, born to a carpenter and a virgin of all things. But we realize today, don't we, that, that Caesar really is a kind of a footnote in history? Caesar Augustus, we talk about Caesar and we just think of the Roman Empire. We don't think of Caesar Augustus himself. Yet time itself is centered around the person of Jesus. Every Christmas, even those who don't say they're followers of Jesus, celebrate Christmas, which is about the birth of Jesus. I mean, literally, the entire world revolves around the birth of a child born in a manger to two simple parents, a young teenage mother, and a father who had every right to divorce her. I mean, this story has literally changed the world. And yet, it's kind of unbelievable, isn't it? A manger, a place where animals are kept, versus Caesar and his palace. And yet, we find that, that Luke records three times that Jesus was born in a manger. It was a sign for the shepherds, these people who were outcasts, that were on the outside of society. They were, they were not that well regarded. And they're the ones who come to see this child. It's going to change everything. But it's also a sign for us. God comes into moments that seem insignificant. God comes, in, comes into moments that seem like a waste of our time. And yet what God does is he comes into the ordinary and he turns it into something extraordinary. God comes into the mundane and he gives hope. He takes our everyday parts of our lives and he gives new meaning. He comes in in such a way that he empathizes with us. And he gives us a chance at second chances. See, God does a new thing in the birth of Jesus. It really is kind of radical. A manger, a simple, everyday, ordinary thing. A place where animals were kept. And into that simple, ordinary place, the one who would redeem the whole world is born. The ones we find ourselves gathering here for this morning, because see, you came this morning, even if you're not so sure about following Jesus with your life, you came here this morning because you're celebrating Christmas, or at least you came because your nice son or daughter to your mother or your grandmother, or whoever it may be. Right? This is how this works. I get it. It's a tough story to swallow, right? A virgin birth. I mean, that's a pretty hard story to swallow. But what Luke does is he comes to say Caesar wielded power through his legions. But God wields his power through this infant. Caesar wielded his power through his mighty empire, but God comes in the lowliest ways, in the epitome of humility, and through that we find God's love. 
See, the crazy thing about this story is God comes as one of us so that we can know him. Because he knows us. And Jesus comes for this very simple reason, this gift of fresh starts, of new beginnings. It's this idea that the greatest gift we can ever receive is to know Jesus and for us to know that he knows us. That somehow the divine creator of all exists in such a way for us to know him because he is the epitome of love. And in Jesus we see the fullness of God's love come to us. So the star, the shepherds, the manger, Mary and Joseph, they all point to one thing. That through Jesus, God is changing the world. Through Jesus, God is redeeming and restoring and making all things new. If you think it's not true, how in 300 years, because that's what it took from the time of Jesus' birth till the time that Christianity overthrew the Roman Empire. The greatest empire in the world found itself on its knees when it came to following Jesus. This is who God is. He works in the subversive ways of our lives. He comes in in loving ways with humility. And he comes before us and he wants us to know, I want to know you. And he comes to bring light into the dark places of our soul. He comes to bring newness. He comes to restore and make all things new. This is who God is. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. This is what we celebrate in the birth of Jesus. See, this invitation for us today isn't this invitation that, that we go, oh, cool, Jesus was born as a baby. And then he died on a cross about 30 years later. But for us to go that God comes to us as one of us to empathize with us in our moments of darkness and weakness. He comes to us as one of us to say, you are mine and I am yours and you are loved by me. And I hope you'll find a way to love me as well. God gives second chances. For many of us, third and fourth and fifth. See, Christmas is the time God starts new stories. Starts new stories. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you need a new story. Maybe you know that there's some things I mentioned earlier when I talked about your, your family or your home or your marriage or your work. That you need a fresh start, a new beginning, a second chance. And what I want to tell you today that I believe with all my heart, mind, and soul is this. There's a God who redeems and restores and makes all things new. And it begins even in our own existence that God wants to, to heal the broken parts of us. He brings light into darkness. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Is no longer does darkness reign in the world, but the birth of Jesus brings a second chance. And so this morning, in just a moment, we're going to light candles and I'll, I'll light the my candle off the Christ candle, and then we'll light candles around the room, and kids have glow sticks, and, and it's an opportunity for us to recognize that if you've never accepted the invitation to know Jesus, to have your life made new, to have a second chance, then today is an opportunity for us to say yes to the one that we center all of time around, because Jesus changes everything, because Jesus gives us second chances. Because the invitation for us is to receive the greatest gift that God has ever given. Behold, a child is born. And he will be God with us. And that's what we gather to celebrate this time. See, what God does through Jesus, he opens our eyes and he gives us our best way forward. Helps us see the world with new perspective. He helps us become a people who understand what it means to truly love 
And this morning, it is my hope and my prayer. In these moments together, we find that love is what defines us, that hope is what reigns in our hearts, that peace is what we begin to know, and that joy exists in every aspect of our life. We pray with me? Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together today. We think that in these moments, somehow you bring hope in the midst of darkness, that light comes in the midst of, of pain and suffering, and that you're a God who gives second chances, and for many of us, even more than that. But we want to write new stories with our lives. We want new beginnings because Christmas is about new beginnings. Christmas is about new opportunities. Christmas is about the God who redeems and restores and makes all things new. So this morning, Father, we pray that each of us in here would make a decision to follow you with our life. That we'd read the words of Jesus and find that he invites us to a different way of living. A way filled with hope and love and peace and joy. A way of living that doesn't often even make sense, but it gives us a chance of second chances, of new starts. So this morning, Father, we pray that you would be with us. And as we sing this song, Silent Night, I know that hope reigns and light comes and newness is ours. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. As we light this candle and as it goes around the room, I would encourage each of you to light your candle off of someone else's if you have it. And if kids have glow sticks, they can break them at this time.